0: The Bears have the number one pick in the 2023 NFL Draft. QB
1: 1 and
2: 1. The Chicago Bears are on the clock
1: going to evaluate the draft class, and I would say this, I'd have to be absolutely blown away. We
2: understand the magnitude of where we're at in the draft. I do whatever it takes. How about the number one pick with the Bears?
3: Are you ready for people to start questioning whether you're the, the quarterback of the Chicago Bears next year? I am. I would trade Justin Fields, and I'm going to draft Bryce Young, who I think is going to be a better quarterback. I'm Justin Fields all the way. I love the kid. What
1: I'm hearing out of Chicago is they're going package him up, trade him for some other pieces, and then go with the Bryce kid from Alabama. What
2: would Justin Fields do with another year in the NFL and another offseason. It's like, you're just going to give up on that?
3: The Bears would be absolutely insane yeah. to trade you.
0: I know there's some really interesting things in the draft, but you have your quarterback built around him. With the first
2: pick, the Chicago Bears select...
0: The Parkins and
2: Spiegel Show, afternoons on the score.
3: Every day at 3 o'clock, the... As Speaks and I lamented during the break, still unnamed Bears segment where we dig into the draft or free agency. It's a Ryan Poles scenario, basically. We're going to try to consider something that Ryan Poles is considering this offseason with all of the cap space and draft capital that he has. How
2: about Bear Tracks? Because it's about the Bears, and every day we take it down a different track. We've Mm. looked at trade possibilities, specific scenarios, and as advertised today, we take our first deep dive into a specific, specific position of need.
3: Yeah, I I don't hate it. I don't hate it. All right. Um, How about bear trap? (laughs) See? (laughs) We're trying to trap a bear through the first round pick.
2: It's what we did last time. We make jokes, (laughs) we bounce things around, and then we all go home.
3: Cocaine Bear Mob <laughs> Track, <laughs> tracks
2: <Beartracks.com. laughs> dot com
3: Yeah, exactly. So no, we're, listen, we're we're not going to name it. It's going to just be a thing that we you explain with. every
2: time. Yeah, exactly. In a different way. Yeah, and we get to o oh, three thirty, and we haven't started the segment yet. That's right. right okay, no, go
4: on. It's because we didn't break until about fifty
3: seven. Oh, yeah, that was my fault. Hand up, hand up on that. I'm
2: one. right there with you. I was. Yeah. I, I got the angry break sign once.
3: <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh so you saw it that time. It was more
4: than once. Actually. That was
2: when I saw it.
3: I saw it he, once. You only saw it the one time. Yeah, he mm-hmm. missed it the first time. I know. There's no
4: clocks in there. You guys have only been doing this for 30 years. Like, don't <laughs> yeah. worry about it. Yeah,
3: that's right. Uh, all right. Uh, you, my friend. Yes, sir. Are hot for the center position. I
2: really am. Not, not that
3: I, I dislike it, but but you're, you're, you're more into it than I it's am. It's
2: not just because I am the highest-ranking current center on the score staff, having played intramural flag football for four years. That's a big reason. As, as a center. No, I have come to appreciate the value of the NFL Center through our conversations with Olin Krutz and through observing for low these many years. And specifically, the dream scenario of Justin Fields evolving like Jalen Hurts has evolved in Philly. I want Justin Fields to have his Jason Kelsey, the guy that understands all the line signals that makes the calls that calls out the coverage yeah. that is uh, fast and quick enough to go out and lead on the blocks that finishes with authority and finishes strong that loves to be a center. And those guys have a tremendous relationship. And I think, I think Justin Fields needs that in his NFL life.
3: I think he does too. Um, they need so much, uh, and Mustafer is a free agent, and I will be floored if he's the guy next year. And I don't think you can rely on Lucas Patrick with health, but they tried to give him the
2: guy. Yeah, they tried to give him that guy. They believed who, who that he knew, was the guy. Who knew
3: Luke Getze. Now, they didn't pay him a ton of money. They didn't make like, a huge investment in the position, but I, I think that they tried. Like, If we went to this time last year, mm-hmm. I think that they basically agreed with you
2: and thought they were giving him his guy and
3: that hey, we need to give him someone as especially as he's new in the system and doesn't know everything. We got to give him someone who knows the system yeah. as well or better than he does. That's why
2: we talked to him. We so, got to try to get to know that guy. so
3: let's go let's let's go get Lucas Patrick and then he got hurt. So I I, I think that Ryan Poles, former offensive lineman, signs Lucas Patrick, one of the few positions he spent on uh, last offseason, even if he didn't spend very much. I I think he agrees with you. So I think it's a good position to highlight. Mm -hmm. I'm just not positive what direction he's gonna go here.
2: I have some draftable guys that we can talk about. You've looked around the NFL yeah. and have some free agents and I believe a trade
3: scenario? A tra- I got a trade scenario and and then two free agent names for you that I'll that I'll that I'll throw at you. All yeah, right, but you, you want to listen to Olin first? Yeah let's hear let's hear Olin on the importance of the center position. This is with uh Lawrence Holmes on the House of L podcast.
1: It depends on body type and size and who he's playing with and what system he's in. But if you come down to it is, can you see the field almost like a quarterback, right? Can you process information at the pivot position like a quarterback does? And I almost like to call it like living in the matrix. Can you see things before it happens? Which is, which is basically like pregame preparation, right? It's a lot of film study. It's a lot of formation study. It's a lot of like knowing the defensive coordinator. And for example, what would he call, on third and eight, in the red zone, in the third quarter. Like, I'm watching the game, and I'm like, Spagnuolo's bringing the, the blitz. He's bringing it all out. Because I know he's from the Jim Johnson tree from Philadelphia. And I know that's what they do, right? He's coming with coming with blitz zero at a certain part of the game. And guess what? Jalen Hurts saw it and got the ball out. So they studied for that. They knew it was coming. But that kind of preparation is what – because as a center, you're like a quarterback of the offensive line. You're trying to make everybody around you better. And that's by putting guys on the right guys and getting the offensive line moving in the right direction, and getting the protective scheme all figured out before the ball is even snapped. So
3: that's what it is, right? Quarterback of the offensive line.
2: Seeing the, the same coverage the quarterback does. Yeah,
3: so that, that, that's, that's why it matters.
2: Knowing situationally what the defensive coordinator might do, studying that much. And, and, and then, of course, like Olin is and like Kelsey is, being tough and mean. When necessary.
3: So how much do you think like what what type of draft capital or free agent capital do you think Ryan Poles is willing to spend on this position? Because he has said and we saw it with Roquan Smith uh, that he generally speaking believes like I do. It's why mm-hmm. I applauded the Roquan Smith move at the time of you can only have a bun- like so many big ticket items. Yeah that you should use them on premium positions. And while I'm with you that center is an important position, we don't think they have their left tackle of the future. We know they don't have their right tackle of the future. They don't have a wide receiver one. They don't have a three technique. They don't have an edge rusher. Mhm. That's that's at least at a minimum before you get to any linebacker, uh you know that's that's at least five premium positions that they don't have filled before you could even start making the argument for center.
2: Yeah. No, right. I I hear you. You agree with that. Uh, I do. Centers. Fortunately are not always top draft picks. They're they're very, very few times. They've been a first round draft pick. Um, There's been a few in recent years, but they're often a second round pick or maybe even a third round pick. And I'm talking about even the real, real good ones. Here, so but sort
3: of, so I'm just I'm I'm trying to think about like where you think because so like I'll give you a name that everybody will know. Yeah, uh, it, Ryan Jensen
2: from it, Tampa Bay is one of the best centers in football. Mean sob draws penalties like crazy. He
3: had the crazy. He had the knee injury that he came back from in like historically f- uh, fast fashion. Played in the playoff game. They lost the playoff game, but he's you know he's got a fifteen million dollar. Cat pit. they're talking about, is is he going to be a post-June 1 designated cut? Are they going to yeah. try to trade him? He's coming off a big injury. He is 31 years old, but he's what Olin is talking about. I've heard Olin talk about Ryan he Jensen loved, as one, Ryan Jensen. one of his favorite
2: centers in football. I don't want to pay $15 million a year for a center.
3: I, and I'd be floored if Ryan Poles would. Yeah. And I don't think you would do it for a 31-year-old, and I don't think you'd have to because of, of when he would get cut. But my, my, my point is, is like, which route do you think they go here? Do you think they go, let's use a third round pick, a top 100 pick?
2: Uh, especially if they get a bunch. I do think that's the route that they'll go. The, the, the thing is, though, when I say we want to get him as Kelsey, Hertz has pointed to Kelsey's, quote, his knowledge, his veteran leadership his experience has meant a lot to me.
3: Well, so that that's why that
2: leans you more towards the free agent or the trade possibility. Correct,
3: and so that's why I was thinking about a guy like Ryan Jensen, who, if Tampa uh, tears it down, and I forgot the guy's name, I wrote, I wrote it down here. When when he was when he was out, they had a guy last name was Hensley. I forgot his first name. Uh,
2: who probably Ryan. Doesn't might, it sound like a it, it Ryan? Sa- it, sa- it
3: sounds like it might There's a been. lot of Ryans. Uh, you know, it, Ryan Jen- Robert, you were close. <sighs> R- Robert, Robert Hainsley, who who started, had good pl- pass blocking grades, who I was reading a Bucks beat reporter story this morning when I was prepping this, and he was like, I would expect him to just, if they move on from Jensen – he would just play and they would get younger and cheaper and still have some experience as they transition away from a post-Tom Brady world. It's
2: interesting because you've got – it's a great name because you've got enough money to do it here at the front end of this situation and then maybe as he ages, he takes a little bit less if he's happy and things can be a little bit more malleable. But this is a team with $100 million of cap space. Depending on what they do, if you don't use draft capital on the center, then maybe you do find a way to do that. Even with the, with that amount of money, if they decide the veteran is the way to go so here's two two more veteran names for you okay, all right.
3: one that I think would be pretty cheap, one that I think will be decently expensive. The pretty cheap one is Rodney Hudson Rodney Hudson, four years ago was the best center in football yeah he was he he got a huge he got a, hu- a market setting contract from the Raiders. I believe former second round pick was with the chiefs and the raiders he had a, he had an injury. Uh, last season, knee injury, Older, missed most of the year, 33 years so yeah, old. I was going
2: to say 33 years old, and he's in Arizona, right? He
3: was in Arizona, but he had the knee injury, didn't really play. But he, if healthy, is great, and we've seen offensive linemen, we, Jason Kelsey, you can be very good mm-hmm. into your mid-30s if you're healthy. I have no idea if he is healthy. Um, but, like, if you were looking for a stopgap veteran Played in multiple systems, yeah. smart dude who could be the anchor of the offense. Like, if you got a clean bill of health on him and were willing to take a risk yeah. on the health, that'd be a way that I could, I could see them. Okay. I, I could see him kicking it around, but that, that, is, that is a stopgap measure. The other guy, and this one's interesting to me, and I admit to having not watched every single Minnesota Vikings game. But Garrett Bradbury,
2: that's a former number one uh, first round pick, one of the few first round centers in recent history,
3: right? He was, I think the 18th or 19th pick out of NC State. They declined his fifth year option, but then Kevin O'Connell came in and he had by far his best pro football focused pass block grade this past season. And so Vikings writers seem to be split on what they're going to do. Mm hmm he got hurt, he missed six games with a back injury at the end of the season, also came back for their playoff game, so he missed weeks 12 through 17. Some people think, well, they declined the fifth-year option so they made a decision on him, but other people seem to be reporting, well, they made, uh, I read an article in The Athletic this morning about him, yes, they declined the option, but that he played so well and the offensive line dropped off the last six games that he thinks that they are going to try to sign him to a multi-year contract. But So that is a former... High-end prospect who's yeah. only 27, who had a fifth-year option declined, pass-blocking grade got better. I could see if he hits the market, also has NFC North experience. Sure, right. I, 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 could, I could see him being a name where he's young enough where you would try to sign a guy like that.
2: All right. Well, I like the research. It's no surprise that the host of First and Pod has knowledge of centers around the NFL. And um, I'd like the Ryan Jensen idea a lot. If healthy missed pretty much the whole year came back for the final game. As, as, as you mentioned, Um, I've got four college possibilities. I want to throw at you here. Okay. Um, And then we've got a little bit more on from Olin talking about whether these guys are built or, or grown, you know what I mean? So, so we'll hear that in a little bit, but There's a guy, John Gaines out of UCLA, who people are like, oh, he can play all five offensive line positions, but he's probably best suited for center. Nah, I want a born and bred center. I want somebody who freaking loves it and has studied it and wants to do it. Steve Avila um, is a guy who's played both guard and center and gets talked about a lot, and he might be the number one center on the list. But reading about him, he's not a consistently nasty finisher. That that bothers me a little bit, and the fact that he started a year at guard and then a year at center concerns me a little as well. There's the guy from Ohio State, Luke Whipler, undersized but very athletic, uh, capable of pulling and leading action into space like we've seen Kelsey do, so that's good, but a, lick, a lack of size and length is is something. Uh, aware in past production, but big bull rushers are a cause for concern, and really, the the recap that I was saying is that he could become an average starter in the right scheme. Now let's aim higher than that, shall we? I want John Michael Schmitz from Minnesota. John Jingle Michael Schmitz. I can't believe
3: so. I'll write him His a jingle. Name was my name.
2: Yeah. I will write that man a jingle. <laughs> <laughs> John Jingle Michael Schmitz. His name is Shane's name, too. His name is my name, too. (laughs) Wow. Zone scheme center, good size, well-schooled in every phase of the run game, supposedly great footwork, great angles, finishes blocks with tenacity, plus-plus football intelligence, makes the calls for his offense. He came back to Minnesota as a senior because he wanted to play with his guys and wanted to further things along. P.J. Fleck was very important to him in the recruitment. And What's his name again? John Michael Schmitz. Okay. Jacob. <laughs> yeah. Jingleheimer.
3: All right. well, So I'll, I'll, give, you one, I'll give you one more uh, variable here because I have not scouted the centers. I've not read the draft profiles of, of the centers. I was tasked with the the free agent, the NFL guys. You were going to do the deep dive yeah. onto the college route. But I will give you a piece of intel from Kansas City. Creed Humphrey is arguably Ryan Poles' biggest draft jewel that he gets some credit for. He drafted him in the – you know, he wasn't the GM, right? It was, it was Brett Veach. But he was said to have had a huge impact as the former offensive lineman like he found a who was his top lieutenant when they had the Super Bowl against uh, Tampa when Mahomes was running for his life. They're like, all right, we're going to sign Joe Fooney from uh, New England, and then we're going to use a few picks on these guys. And they took Creed Humphrey in the second round from Oklahoma, and then they took Trey Smith, I believe, in the fifth round from Missouri. Mm -hmm. And Creed Humphrey was a guy who was a multi-year starting center at Oklahoma. So didn't j- didn't change positions. Yep, and they used a low second round pick on
2: him. This is what I'm so, saying. So so if,
3: if, Th- if that if, tracks, if Ryan
2: Poles here had, on Bear Tracks
3: on Bear Tracks or, or, or
2: Poles position, I, I don't hate Poles position. Texture said Poles position. It's not bad. That's really good. It's not bad. And we could use the theme song.
3: Yeah, uh, but I think that that if you think okay, he's going to do what he knows and what he's had successful because Creed Humphrey, Pro Bowl is a rookie. Like he, he has been an immediate, Immediately. They, they think he'll be a chief for 15 years. And here's the
2: thing about John Michael Jacob Jingleheimer Schmitz. Yes, sir. Is that he was at the senior bowl playing for Luke Getze. Hmm. Luke Getze got a chance to know a lot about him. And apparently there are other connections where like um, that Getze worked with PJ Fleck at Western Michigan for a season and the offensive line coach Brian Callahan on Minnesota was also on that staff with Getzy and P.J. Fleck. So if they want to do a deeper dive and really learn everything they can about Mr. Schmitz, then they can find that out. So so I've got a big-time eye on that. Would you use, if they acquire pick number 35 from the Indianapolis Colts? No,
3: that strikes me as too high. That strikes me as too high. But the 54th pick, I believe is what it is, the pick you got from the Ravens. Right. Maybe that's the highest I would be comfortable with it. That, this, you're, so, you're Hopefully your second, second round pick.
1: Yeah. Or I, your, that, that's or your a third dream. round pick.
2: That, 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 is, that is a great dream. I can see you with your positional bias being as upset with an early second round center pick as you were no. with a safety. No, no, no. Or a nickel. Protect, man. Protect Justin Fields. Yeah. Enable Justin, Justin Fields. Justin Fields
3: needs help. If, so if, no, if it's he, what they think need, is
2: the absolute best center need, in the no, draft, yeah, and they know, yeah, he needs help.
3: I you will. You're not going to hear me criticize an offensive upgrade this offseason. I don't think it's on the board. They, I said now. I say that, and I did criticize the Chase Claypool move when it happened because I thought that that was too much to give up for such little control of a guy who was so inconsistent. Mm-hmm. Um, but if he drafts an offensive player, I I don't think you're going to hear me. I'll be very surprised if I find a reason to dislike it. I, th- I think I will be in favor of surrounding Justin Fields with offensive talent.
2: I think we'll see how it goes long way to the draft here on polls, position, Bear Tracks. Um, and But but, but if they end up using a high a high two on Schmitz, if that's their guy and they want to make sure they get him, I'm going to be okay with it.
3: Well, you said you wanted it to be a pure center. Here's Olin again on House of L talking about if you could develop a center or if it takes years, how long you have to be doing it.
1: That's a great question, right? And you usually take your guy who is in your left tackle but can process information at the pivot and put everybody on the right guys and put him at center. Like, I coach with Jason McKee at Carmel Catholic, and I'm always looking for a guy who can make my calls and, and get the offense line moving in the right direction, first and foremost. Now, we talk about the NFL. There's probably a lot of guys who can do that. But when you look at Jason Kelsey, and here's the interesting thing about that question, you see who they surrounded him with, mammoths. So he can pull wide. I used to think when I pulled, I had the easy block, right? Because I could pull, I could run, I could get out there in space and I could block guys. The pin block on Hargrave is the hard block. The one-on-one block where you got to pin Hargrave down by yourself and keep him there is actually the hard block. So with the center, like I remember arguing with Jerry Angelo and saying, well, you you got me, who well, I love Roberto Garza and Josh Beacon, but you, I'm the tallest guy walking out of the huddle, this doesn't make sense. You got to, so if you have a pivot like Kelsey, you got to do what Roseman has done and surround him with big guys who can make blocks. Some of my best years, uh, Reuben Brown, right. They put Reuben Brown next to me, uh, Rex Tucker, Chris Valerio, big, hmm. strong offensive guards. And I could use my athleticism to play. Nick Mango is an opposite of Jason Kelsey, big center, strong center. Um, I think about a big, strong center in the game right now, Ryan Jensen for Tampa Bay. So it's just, you can find good centers. It's just when you get a really good one and put them there, make sure you build around the way he plays the game. And it's almost like a basketball team. I got to have guys who could do different things on my offensive line. So I'm not going to put a small guard next to a small center next to a small tackle, right? I'm going to build myself an offensive line, and then I can pin and pull my center. Or I can I can back block him as a big center would do and take a nose guard on one-on-one. So the scheme you're running has a lot to do with it. But the good coaches, what they do is, they say this guy does this, and he does this really well at Jason Kelsey, so why don't we pull him? They're running the same concept. They're running inside or outside zone. They're just pooling Kelsey when they do it. But remember who has the one-on-one blocks, the left guard and the left tackle, and Kelsey's pooling for the perimeter guy, which he's actually better at.
3: Good stuff with Olin and Lawrence Holmes on the House of L. This hour brought to you by the Chicago Golf Show. For tickets, visit chicagogolfshow.com. We'll always be talking bears at 3 o'clock between now and and the draft. Jason Goff in studio at four o'clock, but coming up next, seems to be some confusion with what the Cubs are doing at the back end of their starting rotation. We think we know what they're doing. We'll try to explain it next on the score. And now you're listening
4: to Parkins and Spiegel on 670 to score. One,
2: two, make you want
3: to Jason Goff will be in studio in half an hour. Speaks gives us the 27th best ball player or favorite ball player of the last 30 years. His 30 seasons of Chicago baseball counted it down at 445 every day. But uh, you said you had seen some and heard some confusion as to what the Cubs were doing with the back end of their rotation.
2: Very early in spring training and really hinted at even before that. It has become apparent that the fifth starter job is up for grabs.
3: Well, can we, talk, can we talk a little bit prior to that, though? Yeah. Like, who's the one?
2: The one? Marcus Stroman? I think is Marcus Stroman. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Jamison Tyone got the opening day start, but we'll see.
3: I think that would surprise me, just with the seniority and everything, but Stroman, in, ter- in terms of tenure with the team. But call
2: it Stroman.
3: Str- Tyone is two. Mm-hmm. Then where do we go?
2: Justin Steele, I think, Okay, is, is three.
3: Because I don't think you can count on Kyle Hendricks. I've seen some write-ups talk about Hendricks. Hendricks is not going to be here on opening day.
2: No, I, I think you could also, for the sake of variety, see Justin Steele go two. And Stroman or Tyone go three. So you go righty, young lefty with swing and miss stuff. Okay. Back to the other righty. Four? Drew Smiley. Okay. So there's your four. Right.
3: And it's not – because I, I – some of the write-ups mention Hendricks, and, and, and I think that is super optimistic, but there is no guarantee whatsoever he's not even off a mound yet.
2: I, I Yeah, I don't, I don't think that Kyle Hendricks will be active and, until May, if that.
3: At the absolute earliest. I hope Kyle Hendricks pitches in a Cubs uniform again. And I'm not saying that with any insider information, but it's been so long yeah. that I don't Think you can rely on it yet? Even though he says he feels healthy and and all that stuff. All right, so so, 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 those, so that, those,
2: those are the four. Those are the four, and then five is up for grabs, principally between Adrian Sampson, who figured something out in his last minor league stint last year, came up and was really good um, in his last, I think, six starts. It was as a Cub, and then Hayden Wesneski who they got from the Yankees for Scott Efron who has looked really good uh, when when he was up last year. And he's intriguing because he's got swing and miss stuff. There's, right. there, there's a, a a strikeout threat as a big-time power arm. So those two guys are fighting for five. And then there's Caleb Killian. There's the eventual Kyle Hendricks. There are some other guys. But that fifth spot is very much up for grabs.
3: And the Hayden Wesniewski stuff is one of the guys that some of the, the – the, the Jet has mentioned that – some of the beat writers are profiling. It's like, he's the swing factor. He's the X factor. He's the upside guy. Mm-hmm. Like, if someone's going to way outperform expectations this year and the Cubs are going to be better, what's going to have happened? Oh, it's going to be because Hayden Wesneski is going to be an awesome find who the Cubs develop and and, and maximize his good stuff and potential.
2: Yeah, that, that's a very important guy in that regard, and I think they also believe that Steele can possibly uh, step up in a big, big way, and maybe that'll happen
3: I mean, this Steele year. was already that, man. He was. Steele was second on the team in innings, and mm-hmm. he had a 3 ERA last year in 24 starts. Like, really Steele, good. Now, I'm not saying it, it's not five years of a body of work or anything like that, mm-hmm. but he, he led the team in strikeouts. He had a low-3 ERA, and he was second on the team in innings pitched. Like, Justin Steele is trending towards being – a rotation piece who is a developmental piece and a huge win for the pitching infrastructure of the Cubs.
2: Yeah, I, I, think, I think that that is certainly fair to say. So then there's others, um, whether it's Javier Assad um, or maybe Ben Brown is a the guy they got from Philly for Robertson, probably too early for him. But there's, there's some people who get a look, some people excited about Cam Sanders and a, and a couple other starting pieces. But that's your pool. Don't mention Adbert Alzolay or Keegan Thompson as possible starters. Because very early in camp, and as hinted at at the convention, it became apparent that those guys are in the bullpen, period.
3: So so Keegan Thompson, I get why it confuses people. Because he had 17 starts last year. That's a lot of starts. And he was third on the team in innings. Yep. But yeah, you weren't there because you were faking sick so that you could do your business panel convention thing. But so as I had, thanks to, for
2: remembering the proper context. I had right. to, I had to
3: hold it down solo, and so yeah, had had
2: David. <coughs> yeah, yeah, right. You were coughing. Is that my? That's my cough from the business
0: panel. From the business panel, no, and we talk like... about all sorts of topics, <laughs> but we do talk about players.
2: That
3: cough, courtesy of Marquis. By the way, we should always that was on that was on live television when Speaks fake sick missed you know, the Friday radio show and the Thursday show. Isn't
2: the cough like? proof that I was actually sick? No, you you coughed Anything? once
3: at the very end
2: of the panel, <laughs> just
3: as like a, as a nod to us to be like, see, guys, I didn't need to do the show. Do
4: you know I what like people who are faking sick do? They cough.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> just like that, actually. Yeah, yeah. Wow. yeah. so you got it. You got it down. So, remember when Speaks fake sick missed Cubs convention I remember so that. he could do the panel with uh, Crane Kenny and the, the business people over at the Cubs? Bastards. Uh, well, we were working, and we had... Yeah, did you
2: just heroes. call Crane
4: Kenny a bastard?
2: No, I did not. <laughs> Crane! No, I think Crane. you might have. No, it was, it was Colin Faulkner who was on that panel oh, well, as that well. makes sense. That guy. That's, that, that's,
4: I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it. Not nice.
3: It makes sense, though.
4: Uh, that's our partner. So, W-C-U-B.
3: So, we were working. Thanks for tweeting at me today. And uh, David Ross came on the show. Yeah. As did Jed Hoyer. We'll start with Rossi, and he was asked by by the person who was working about, "Man, you got like an unconventional pitching staff. Potentially, you might be managing some games unconventional. What are you going to be doing?"
0: Well, I think the, for the first time since I've been here, even as a player, there's more depth in the, like you mentioned already, in the pitching department. So um, you're going to have guys in AAA waiting for their opportunity for either a guy that needs a break or somebody gets banged up or um, you know some things get, you know things don't go somebody's way. You're going to have somebody to to go to. We didn't have that last year, and it showed really early with all the injuries we yeah. had with Smiley and Schro and um, you know Wade, all those guys uh, getting banged up. So. Being able to have somebody waiting down there and pitching and working, still on their craft, but if something goes wrong, we'll have that. I think as far as the bullpen goes, uh, I don't think we're still finished in that area, but it it will be a little unconventional. But I think every year we've adjusted. uh, Like when my, you know, one of my first years when Kimbrel kind of got off track and we went to uh, JJ, and um, you know, he ended up closing out some games with us while while Craig worked back and. Uh, Keegan Thompson was a huge piece for us last year in bridging the gap and giving us a reset on some of those guys we would use for four days and we could just let him go two to three innings and even close out games. Um, It's going to be different. I remember looking into, you you know, you look back at the end of last year and, you know, Mark Leiter got three saves for us because of how we ended up mapping things out. He's 91 with the splits. Like, it's not overpowering stuff, but. We got there with some unconventional ways, and we get to the ninth, and and he closes it out for for three Ws for. Us. So, um, I think you look at the roster when you get it, and who's pitching well, and you constantly adjust that, and what's working. Um, we may bridge it sometimes in multiple innings, or uh, we may not. It, it's just about who's available, who's sore. It's a it's a very much day to day. It's a day to day kind of piece uh, puzzle we put together.
2: The end of that is really important. It's a day-to-day puzzle piece, and it always has been. Um, But nowadays, the puzzle that you put in together often has multiple innings that have to be thought about. And the question is, and I think Ross told you why the Cubs are one of the organizations that lean towards answering it this way, is with option B. And option B is a bulk reliever who's available twice a week for two to three innings each time. Maybe three to four innings each time. And or, not
3: just in like mop-out mop-up duty blowout type situations. Right.
2: Or a fifth starter who's available once a week for you hope five or six innings. Same number of innings that you're covering for the same pitcher, but it's two different games where you can throw somebody at the issue. And it could be a big issue. Maybe it's strategically chosen, like you're using an opener, and then you go to the bulk guy. Or maybe somebody gets beat up, and you have to go to your bulk guy. Or maybe you go to this bulk guy when you're in a tight game, and then you're winning, and you want to keep him for an extra couple innings until you get to the advantageous matchup. They're so locked in on every matchup, and every inning, and every batter, and every day, that having... A guy like Keegan Thompson or Edward Azalea available for two bulk jobs in the course of a week is frankly more valuable than the fifth starter, especially with how quickly starters get pulled out of games these days, especially fifth starters who you don't necessarily trust yet. So what I've heard, Danny, is like people, our colleague David Hall with Bruce Levine on Inside the Clubhouse as I was listening the other day, um, and, and I've heard other people say, why are Alzalai and Keegan Thompson in the bullpen already? Why wouldn't you give them a chance to, because the old days of this fifth starter being more valuable than the long reliever, those days are dead for the smartest organizations in baseball. The long reliever is no longer the sixth or seventh best starter. He's the arm that suits that role best, which you use strategically in a bunch of different ways. Does that mean they're going to be using
3: openers or will someone be named it? I I got a question on that based on the stats from last year, and we're going to hear Jed Hoyer on this very concept coming up also from the show that you skipped uh, before Jason Goff comes in studio. Parkinson Spiegel on the score.
1: Who's the pitchers in this game?
3: we we'll Jason Goff in studio at four o'clock talking about reasons why the Cubs don't have a number five starter named. Uh, if, you know, if they had five great pitchers signed, obviously they would do it that way, but they don't. Yeah.
2: And, and two that they could use, who we've seen there in the past are immediately slotted in the bullpen. And that's Albert Azulay and Keegan Thompson with no chance of winning the fifth starter job.
3: So want to play what Jed said to us at the convention on this topic. We heard David Ross on it about 10 minutes ago. Then I'll ask you a question based off the numbers from last year. Here's Jed Hoyer on uh, the depth and uniqueness potentially of this year's pitching staff.
0: I think, I mean, I think probably mostly talking like multi-inning relievers. Multi-inning relievers. You know, I think that's probably more likely. I think that, um, who knows, we could think about doing things like openers or t- things like that, but ultimately, the way I've kind of thought about it is we have a lot of multi-inning weapons, Okay. and I think we can, we can use them in, in that way, and I mean last year we didn't we forget like we were we were still at 14 pitcher uh 14 pitchers for a lot of the year. It's going to be 13 and 13 this year, which is going to force some of that, right? So that
3: is another part that we should mention, right? Mm-hmm. The rules. The limitation, right? So 13 uh pitchers. Yeah. That's partly of a a design so that you don't have all these specialists, so you don't have all these pitching changes, and you have to actually use guys and and keep them out there. It's another rule change for baseball.
2: Yeah, the value of having a guy who can throw three innings, take a day off, and come back and throw two or the other way around is just massive. And then you'll have to use your roster moves, if need be, to bring up another guy. I bet at AAA, Danny, like, of those options, Javier Assad, Caleb Killian, um, Ben Brown, some of these other guys – A couple of them will be stretched out as starters and a couple of them are going to be used as bulk relievers so they can come up. And if you're giving a Thompson and Azulay a break, you'll use, you'll use one like that. Look around the league. The blue Jays last year traded for a pitcher named Mitch white from the Dodgers and used him in exactly that way down the stretch. Two years before that, they traded for Ross stripling from the Dodgers and used him exactly that way down the stretch. So there are a few organizations that are a little bit more progressive than others going ahead and grabbing flexible, consistent arms and slotting them into that way with no chance of being a starter. And as long as they agree and they understand that there is value there, then it can be a very, very good use of guys.
3: Someone does have to start the game, Mm -hmm. even if it's not an opener. Someone has to throw in the first inning they'll be labeled the starter. Last year the Cubs had four pitchers start 16 games or more. Stroman, Steele, Thompson, Smiley, Hendricks, and Adrian Sampson. Do you think that number will be more or
2: less? That's a good question. 16 starts. Right, cuz if you
3: so if you figure and you assume health, which obviously is a huge assumption there. Part of the reason why it was six guys was, was because of health. Wow,
2: Samson started that many games.
3: Samson started 19 games wow. for them last year. Hendricks was the low guy that I picked there Samson at, at was
2: a, a different guy from his first batch of starts and then his second batch of starts, which is why they're very excited about him.
3: Because um, I, I could see in this scenario... I think it's going to be
2: exactly that, actually. Six... You, you had six guys yeah
3: so you think it'll be six guys that start 16 games or more yeah or okay.
2: or or maybe less I don't think it'll be more I think it'll be six or or maybe five ideally if there's health it it, it it'll it'll be five and then it'll be have... it'll
3: be four guys who start a bunch of games mm-hmm. and then potentially the fifth will fluctuate a little bit based on Matchups and right. and who's going well and who's stretched out or whatever
2: or even if like you know Smiley misses a few weeks here and there or, or, or whatever, it, it, Wesneski or or Sampson has a chance to be established and get to be one of those guys. Yeah, and then the other one will be among maybe three who have ten starts that 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 kind of thing. Right, you know, like you probably have eight or nine that have at least ten starts and end up with five or six that have at least six. Yeah, I didn't.
3: I mean, it's obviously you, it can't be more than seven just based on the sheer math of of 16 of, 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 of the of the season right but i sure not right well
2: Wolf was, theoretically yeah
3: yeah it's very unlikely um but i was th- i was thinking about like it it feels like it should be less right with this with this plan of it feels like it should probably be divvied up more and guys starting like you said Eight or ten games, riding the hot hands, mix and matching matchups, yeah. maybe doing openers in some scenario. Like I, I wonder how extreme they're going to go with
2: it. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. Well, seven times sixteen, by the way, would be one hundred and twelve. So that still leaves fifty games. Is that right?
3: Yeah. Seven times sixteen, seventy. Seventy 42. plus forty-two. Yeah, it's one hundred and twelve. One twelve. Right. So, so it could so, be more. So eight eight. Yeah, you're right. it could yeah. be more. Right, but say, you know, again, not a math major. Yeah,
2: it's like, it, it, and and we get in the get in the weeds here with the stuff. I, just, I I think the main point is like. It's all right that Adbert and Keegan are not starters. Um it conceptually, strategically, it's it's kind of awesome and and progressive and is is the right way to do things. And frankly, I was begging Tony Larusa to do that last year. He should have a couple of guys to be ready. That's the difference between the modern bullpen and the older okay, bullpen.
0: Is that what he said? I
2: said it a lot, Tony. And, and, and at least one of them. Like, you know, Ronaldo Lopez should have been that guy. Instead, he was turned into a one-inning reliever. Because that's what Tony liked in 1989. (sighs) It's not Greg Catteray, okay?
3: That's what I was
4: going
2: to say. Right. It's not Gene Nelson out here.
4: Literally, who are those people? (laughs) They're 1989
2: Oakland A's. I know. Nobody knows. I get it.
4: Save that stuff for hitting run, man. (laughs) (laughs) That's usually Danny's line. Not going to get White Sox guests. Dude. You might as well talk about <laughs> the 99 Oakland A's. We don't know
2: that. we that for a little while. We don't know. I don't know. Oh, no. Don't know. We don't know that. Uh, how about we'll T.A.? S- we'll see. Yeah, T.A. can come on. Yeah. I wonder if he thinks we're being critical enough.
4: Yeah. It, do you think the pressure is off of us a little bit right now and on Chuck Garfine instead? <laughs> I saw that Tim just tweeted. Like, I, I. He responded to the video of the interview and saying, say, I, I, I'm just going to shut the bleep up.
3: <laughs> yeah. But he did it with the. Stfu. Yeah. So okay.
4: Yeah, I, I, I get the same. Yeah. Well, I'm just
3: saying. I don't want. To, I don't want people to get offended and say that he actually cursed. You know. On the oh, internet. he
4: curses all the time on Twitter.
3: I know. I'm just giving him this one. Did
4: here. you see? Uh, we talked about this a little bit. Did Did you see what his new baby's name is? Ta's baby. Yeah. I did not. Seven. S e v n. Mm. Seven Devon.
3: That is him and Costanza. Seinfeld funny. reference. Mm-hmm. Do You think that's why he did it?
4: It's a K- great... Kid's name is Seven. <laughs> they, they, just... named, they named the kid after a number, Danny.
3: You think it's because he's a huge Seinfeld fan,
4: Probably, or his jersey yeah. number? No. Yeah.
2: It's a great, um, it's a great seven. Prince song. It might be my favorite Prince song, hmm. and it's Lord knows it's the hell of a movie, uh, but David Fincher. Yeah. But that is a terrible name for a child. Yeah. It's I a bad name say. for a person. It's, a
3: di- yeah. it's it's different for sure.
4: It's not even spelled right. It six other ones? S e v n. Seven. Seven.
2: Seven. 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 seven seven. Yeah, at that point, just take out the E. At that point, <laughs> don't name the kid Seven. <laughs> just don't. Name him Dave.
4: <laughs> Dave. Like Mrs.
2: McCabe with 17 sons and name them all Dave. God, uh, he named his kid Seven. Yeah. That's his number, right? Oh. It is. Okay, good. Yeah. Just checking that out. The
3: second E omission is funny. Uh, te- seven.
2: Texture says Brent Seabrook named his kid 7 2. Good old number 7 of the Blackhawks. 7 2? I thought he was number 7. <laughs> <laughs> he should have gone with something to honor simple, Duncan Keith? Like Max Power. <laughs> should have named his kid max right,
4: power I literally have to go home <laughs> 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 i don't find jason goff <laughs> yeah yeah
0: You'll yeah find, i'm gonna go get
4: jason yeah. Take the lord <laughs>
3: <laughs> bye shane goff will be up here We'll ask game about tim anderson saying that chuck garfine should be nice and pull at the same oh. end of the rope as someone who also hosts post game shows on nbc sports chicago we'll talk pat beverly and we never know what's going to go and where it's going to go when goff comes in studio next on the score